What's up then listeners? Welcome to another episode of the Midge and the Keg NFL podcast. Host as usual, Midge, alongside me, my co-host, the Keg. What's up, guys? And joining us today to talk about the Patriots on our off-season talk series, we have Derek joining us. How are we doing today, Derek? Guys, thanks for having me on. No problem at all, Derek. Uh, just before we start, I'll let you um, go off into all your socials and everything else, you know, in terms of what you do and everything about covering New England and the Patriots. So I'll let you go ahead with the socials. So I'll give you the floor on that one. Okay, well, yeah, no, I mean, I on Twitter, people can find me at, at Patriots Haven, H-A-V-E-N. Uh, I've uh, been writing and uh, doing podcasts about the team for about 10 years now, uh, covering the team in a bunch of different formats. I do a podcast uh, with two other guys, Russ Goldman and Steve Balsheri. You can find us pretty much anywhere podcasts are downloaded at Patriots 4th and 2. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, it's well worth checking out as well. Really good pod, so. Thank well, you. Yeah, it out. Good there, Derek. So what I'll do, guys, I'll make sure I will give all the links to Derek's socials and also his podcast in our social media posts and everything moving forward. So, Derek, we'll get straight into it. Now, um, we'll talk about last season for New England now. Uh, seven and nine, you know, um, you know, the AFC East had a, you know, a bit of a rise now. Obviously, it's first year, you know, without number 12 under the helm, you know. So it was a bit of a different look for New England. You know, you had Cam starting. Uh, seven and nine, I think. I mean, defensively seemed okay. I think you know seemed very. You know, I think you were uh, tied first in uh, interceptions and stuff. Took took quite a nice step with defensively, but obviously, I think that offense was a little bit lacking. There was a few areas other than the offensive line, it just didn't really seem to work as much. I mean, don't be wrong. I mean, seven wins still out of that in you know the AFC East was obviously got a little bit apart from the Jets. You know, the, the Miami Dolphins and uh, Buffalo produced you know two very difficult opponents. I mean, how did you see the season? I mean, did you feel like it was a, not a bad way considering it's first year without Tom under the helm? Yeah, well, you know, it's we're on the one-year anniversary of, of Tom announcing that he was leaving the team. Obviously, you know, at some point, as a, you know, whether you're a fan or someone covering the team, you knew that was going to be – the day was going to come eventually. You just were hoping he was going to finish his career here. It just didn't work out that way. Uh, so we – going back to the previous season before that – uh, the team started off 8-0 and then got absolutely waxed on Monday Night Football against the Baltimore Ravens. And from that point forward, I think they finished 4-4 four four down the stretch. And they kind of stumbled into the season or the postseason rather and then got taken care of by Tennessee in the wildcard round. And it, you, you could tell it was trending badly. The team was getting old. There were a lot of holes to fill. Over the past you know, 20 years or so, Bill's done a pretty good job of keeping the, the roster up to date. And obviously there were areas where sometimes they were deficient in certain positions, but they were usually pretty competitive. And, uh, you know, it just was not heading in that direction. There was a lot of things that needed to be fixed aside from finding a new quarterback after Brady going to this year. And I think they did a good job of coaching ups and uh, coaching up the guys and kind of hiding some of their deficiencies in areas they were lacking. But Ultimately, you had a, a quarterback who came signed in late, coming out off an injury. His shoulder just really looks like it's lacking some strength. At times, he flashed a little bit, but really not nearly as much as he used to as a runner. Uh, you had a receiving core that really doesn't scare anybody as a defensive coordinator. They have a lot of big issues there. Plus, Julian Edelman was down for the count for most of the year with battling issues uh, and injuries. And the tight end position was weak, as you said, offensive line. A solid group, which helped, 
but uh, and they like to lean on the run game, which was also pretty strong. But aside from that, really, there was no nothing that opposing defensive coordinators were when they're studying the you know the Patriots getting ready for a game. There's no one that's keeping you up at night, right? And yeah. you know, it, it, opposing defenses basically said, you know what, they can't throw the ball deep. We're not really worried about anyone meeting beating one on one coverages. We know they're going to run the ball, so we're just going to blitz the heck out of Cam Newton yeah. and see if he, someone can make a play, right? So it just became a really easy offense to defend. I mean, really, it was it was not even a pro style offense last year. There was a lot of holes uh, defensively. They had problems stopping the run, uh, but they did a pretty good job um, covering. Uh, but you know, the pass rush was there, so the the front seven needed to be addressed this off season. Uh, you know, and, you know, obviously adding some offensive weapons and figuring out what the long-term play quarterback are the biggest questions in this off season now. But as you said, seven to nine overall for the season, uh, I, I honestly expected less. I thought they would lose more games, but uh, they, you know, I think when you have someone like Bill Belichick, think of what you want of as a GM, he's, a, he's one of the better coaches in the league and league history. So he was able to kind of help them stay more competitive in games and where I think other coaches probably would have had him closer to about four or five wins. Yeah. I mean, you know, interestingly, you touched on the weapons there, like the lack of weapons and obviously Cam Newton. I mean, an interesting stat for me was they were one of the only only two teams in the top 10 offensive lines, ranked fourth offensive line, that didn't make the playoffs. You know, it was only you and the 49ers in the top 10 offensive lines that didn't make the playoffs. And I think that really says something about your weapons and your quarterback play with that top offensive line you couldn't make it work I mean the guy I wanted to touch on a sixth round pick last year ended up being sort of a top 10 right tackle for you um on Wenu yeah Michael on Wenu he was a he was a he was projected as a guard coming out of Michigan and really turned heads pretty quickly with the Patriots they realized soon that when he was arrived when he arrived to camp that not only could this guy play guard he actually can play tackle as well and they moved him all along the offensive line at times during the season yeah. And for for on when you just step in when he did right tackle, right guard, left guard. I mean, he was all moved all over the place. He really shined and was one of the biggest bright spots of the year. And we all I think if you're if you're paying co- close attention to the Patriots, uh, they had a couple of you know questions around the offensive line. It was a good group, but there were some questions. When I say questions, I mean left guard Joe Tooney, who has been incredible, incredibly durable. Uh, very consistent, solid player. He was he was franchise tagged last offseason. You knew he probably was not going to come back. He signs a five-year deal worth up to $80 million with the Kansas City Chiefs. He's out the door. Center David Andrews, un, uh, undrafted player, to came, uh, worked his way to a starter, became a very good player again. He's no longer coming back to the Patriots now. Right tackle Marcus Cannon, who was also a sixth-round pick, I want to say like 10 years ago, out of Texas Christian University. Uh, and he was predicted as a, a, a tackle, who was a tackle in college, projected as a guard in the NFL, had a pretty good career at right tackle despite overcoming a non-Hodgkin's lymphoma when he was coming into the draft. And, uh, you know, they he sat out because of COVID last season. And then they trade him to the Houston Texans. So you're an offensive line that, um, you know, was good last year. They had some question marks in the offseason. It's becoming a little clearer now. But with the acquisition of Trent Brown now coming from the um, the Oakland Raiders, or I'm sorry, not Oakland Raiders, Las Vegas, right? With Las, with him coming back into the fold, I I project him at right tackle to take over that right spot. Michael Onwenu will probably go to uh, left guard, which is really a better position for for him as well. 
so you have um, really now you're you're trying to set aside from center, and it looks like Ted Karras will be coming back to the Patriots on a one-year deal. He was the backup center for David Andrews two years ago and then signed with Miami last year. They moved on from him, but it looks like he's coming back to the fold. So a familiar face. Uh, he'll have good He'll have good guards around him at left guard and right guard. Left guard being Michael Wenyu, the second-year player we've been talking about. Right guard being Shaq Mason, who's regarded as one of the better guards in the league. So they're still pretty set up there, but there is going to be a little bit of a shell game mixing and matching as, uh, you know, we kind of march into training camp and into the 2021 season. Pass interference, defense, automatic first down. Yeah, losing a player like food as well, it's just, it's just not going to be easy to replace straight away. I mean, if we if we look at your cap, I mean, obviously you were you were sort of like second best out of all the teams going into this like cap space room and just gone an absolute mad one in the last few days and signed about eight or nine players. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, Actually, now you they of- spent more, they spent more money in free agency so far based on the reported deals. I don't believe anything's made officially yet. Yeah. The league year just officially started within the last hour. They spent more money in this free agency period than Robert Kraft did to buy the entire team, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, so, it's that's, that's crazy. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, so, I mean, but you're still looking in a position where you can still yeah. add pieces to this team. I mean, you probably okay. need about sort of eight or nine million for your draft for your draft picks this year, but you've still got that sort of, you know, seven or eight million. I mean, is there anyone else here that could become a cap casualty you could move on from? I know there's trade talks with a couple of these guys. Well, there's a thing is on Twitter, if they're Patriots fans or they're just curious, there's a guy named Miguel Benzon. He's uh, his handle on Twitter is at Pat's cap. And he is my go-to source for all cap stuff. And he is a wizard with it, to be honest. And he, he, he covers it like it's his full-time job, although it's not, uh, but he is very, very accurate with his numbers. And so despite all the signings, a lot of people are wondering how do they keep signing, you know, all these players? Well, yeah. It, it's, a, it's a couple of different things. I believe they, the Patriots entered with about $65 million in space. They were a top a three or four team in, in the league with cap room. But you've seen the cap number go down to $182.5 million. And it, that, with a lot of teams already kind of pressed up against that cap, which they needed to be under, oh, excuse me, which they needed to be under uh, before the start of the league year, four o'clock Eastern today, March 17th. With the, the a lot of teams were kind of, getting pinched against the wall a little bit between a rock and a hard place. And that's why you've seen so many cap casualties across the league. Uh, But the Patriots with all these signings, they have done a couple of unique things and you've seen a lot, you'll, you'll see a lot of deals structured like this across the league, not just in new England. What they're doing is they're basically heavy cash deals up front that are basically heavy caps deferred. So they're still giving guys decent amount of money, but they're, they're spreading out their signing bonuses during the prorated portion of their contract. So if it's 40 million, you know, at signing, which is absurd, but just to make it easy, you know, over four years, that'd be 10 million a season. Right. But if you look at someone like John U. Smith or Matt Judon, who they signed big signings, their mil, their, their, their salaries, their, uh, their, their, their salaries for the 2021 season are only going to be $1 million. Their cap hits combined are less than 13. So they, based on what my rough calculations are, they're still right around $30 million with cap space available. Um, and again, I'll know more as a couple of these other deals have come out. And if people want to follow me, they can find it you know, later. Um, and again, at Pat's Cap is a great resource. But uh, 
you're right. They're going to need to save some money for the draft, as as every team will. They like to have a little insurance money, obviously, as any team will. Uh, but I still expect them to add some players. I, I'm expecting a move at running back to add to that group. Receiver, I still think, will be addressed. And there's something going on with the safe, with the cornerback uh, position. Stephon Gilmore is a big question mark right now. And they just uh, tendered 25-year-old cornerback uh, uh, J.C. Jackson, uh, who had nine interceptions last season, a very instinctive player, physical guy. They, t- they He was a restricted free agent, and they tendered him at a second-round level. So what does that tell me? That tells me that they are – they're not ruling out a team giving him a contract. And if so, if another team gives him a contract, the Patriots have the right to match. If they don't match, then they will receive that team's second round draft pick or better. So uh, there's going to be some moves around there. So as far as cap goes, like who do I think could be cap casualties per se? Um, Well, Stefan Gilmore is a big one to watch. Uh, So he has a base salary of, of 7 million this year, but there's the cap hits a little bit higher, but they basically borrowed money from his last year on his contract to give him a bump next year. Stefan Gilmore is not playing at, at his current contract. He will not play at this number. So the Patriots know they're either going to have to trade him, which I'm expecting, or they could extend him and rework his deal. And I think that could partly be uh, related to what they do with JC Jackson. I don't expect they let both guys go, but I could see either one of them, being moved for maybe a second round draft pick and using that as ammo to potentially move up in the draft if that's something they want to do. Yeah, I mean, like you said about all these contracts that have sort of been structured in a way, you know, it helps this year. I mean, for me, he's gone a little bit win, you know, win now mode because of these contracts that are structured in this, you know, this way, this one million base salary this year. I mean, quarterbacks are obviously a big issue. I mean, for me, he doesn't go into the season with Cam Newton as his starting guy. That contract for me sort of reads sort of backup money. I think that, you know, where do you think he's going to address that? Do you think that'd be a draft issue or, you know, potential trade for someone like, you know, Deshaun Watson who's floating around? I mean, it's <laughs> going to take a lot to get him, but. Right. Well, that would be a pipe dream, obviously, uh, for a lot of teams. There are a lot of teams yeah. at quarterback that are needy quarterback right now. But I would say, look, Cam Newton's salary was first reported as one year, 14 million. As we learned more about the contract, it was nothing even close to that. It was basically about a million and a half in a signing bonus, about a $2 million salary. He has about a $100,000 off-season workout bonus. So then there are other escalators involved. The Patriots could technically, they have him under contract now, they could technically cut him if they make another move and only lose about $3.6 million dollars. So, you know, that's a lot of money to, you know, us, but as far for, for NFL teams, that's something that they could do no problem. And, you know, with Cam Newton from, you know, from that 3.6, you know, there's other escalators in terms of he gets extra money for every game he plays. If he, if he gets any awards like pro bowl, all pro MVP, and if the Patriots have postseason success, and it, even if the Patriots did go on to win the Super Bowl and Cam had an MVP season, well, he's, still only cost you 14 million for the year which is an absolute bargain so which is obviously not going to happen but you know they they kind of they can kind of win either way cam you have to look at cam as a placeholder he's someone who they believe i'm sure has limitations but i think the patriots also are smart enough to recognize that it wasn't all him it wasn't all him that was the reason the offense sucked last year they didn't like we've already talked about the weapons a little bit that's why you go out and you attack free agency go after 
two premium tight ends. For one, tight ends one of the lower paid positions in the NFL. You can add two guys and still not really get to high receiver money. And the Patriots like running two tight end sets. They did it with Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski when those guys were both drafted several years ago. Josh McDaniels can move John Smith, Hunter Henry around. Now you have guys that opposing defenses have to go and game plan against. And this gives Cam Newton, who's very comfortable playing with tight ends and has shown that with Greg Olson and his time with Carolina, as well as other guys, you have, you have some guys that Cam can get familiar with. They added a couple other receivers. Now you have a little bit more of a semblance of, an, of a professional offense around him. And so not only do you have your placeholder quarterback who can help him, but if a veteran shakes free, you know, as you just mentioned, or if they do draft a quarterback high, Maybe that's something that, you know, either Cam's a bridge guy, he's gone before the season starts or something like that. I, I have, I had my serious doubts about the Patriots moving up from number 15 to uh, move up for a quarterback. I thought they were going to do what they normally do, which was take the best player available on the board. You know, you, you attack NFL teams should attack free agency for needs. But as far as the draft goes, you don't want to draft for need. You want to draft you know, as many good football players as you can. So that's why you, that's why you want to take them almost regardless of position. Uh, and so prior to free agency, I did not expect the Patriots to trade up for quarterback with them being as aggressive as they have been in free agency, addressing so many holes, it's starting to open the door for me a little bit. And yeah. the question is though, you know, again, there are a lot of teams that could be get, taking quarterbacks in this year's draft. Adam Schefter said uh, for me, ESPN said the other day on NFL Live, he thinks that there's going to be four quarterbacks gone in the first seven picks. And he said six or seven. And I think the Patriots have to get above Carolina, which is the eighth pick, in order to secure one of these guys. So that means they're going from 15 into the top seven. That's a pretty hefty price tag. And obviously, there's going to be a lot of other teams that are going to be vying for some of these young quarterback services as well. So I'm, I'm curious to see what they do. I'm not ruling it out, but I don't know exactly – I'm put it this way. I don't think Cam Newton is their plan A. I think they're, I think what they'd like to do is, is have a veteran, another veteran quarterback, but you need two to tango. I think the other option would they would then be use Cam as a bridge and get a rookie. But if they can't move up, then I think the Cam's the guy for the year. Maybe they take a dev- developmental guy and address yeah. it next season. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I mean, I was the other day when I saw all these transfers coming through and, you know, my Twitter feed just going, Patriots sign, Patriots sign, Patriots sign. Right. I rang, I actually rang Midge up and said, look, they're going so aggressive here. I really think they're going to make a move on a quarterback. You know, I, I just I just think that that's... I mean, I, I don't rate Cam Newton, but like you said, you've added the weapons. The tight ends are very cheap, 13 million combined for this year. But I just think they're going to be as aggressive approaching this quarterback position as they have been with the rest of the team. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting either way because like you said, you've seen literally in the space of... 24 to 48 hours of the the mentality already. Like you said, this is the most the Patriots have probably ever spent in free agency for a number of years. You know, like it, it, they they never really were the big spenders. They've now had the money and they've gone right. Let's fill this team up with talent. Like you said, they definitely addressed it on the offensive with a couple of weapons. Well, obviously the two tight ends, but a couple of receivers as well. And like you say, it doesn't seem like they're going to be done. Like yes, it's going to calm down a little bit. But I mean, it wouldn't really surprise me. I mean. When the keg said he was like, well, Watson's, I mean, obviously, albeit the news that's just happened, that's a story for another time. But obviously, before that happened, he was like, well, they're so aggressive. Why wouldn't they try and get hold of the Texans just for the sake of Deshaun Watson? I mean, it's probably, like you said, still a pipeline dream. 
but as you've mentioned as well, it's like, is it, I think it could be more realistic now that they trade up at, you know, at least in the, to the top 10 to get someone. Um, and like you said, I think the, the perfect word you've used is using Cam as a bridge because yeah. unless, he's, unless he's like you say, yeah. unless you say Cam gets like, you know, gets you into postseason, gets an MVP or what, you know, whatever it, which is very, very unlikely to happen. It's not going to change the mindset. And like you say, he's on such a cheap deal. It's worth having him under the system. He's already been there a year. He, you know, he knows the system. You might as well have him in place just in case you want to use him. And automatic first down. But I mean, if we move on to the draft, I mean, sitting at 15, I mean, what is your dream scenario for New England? Would you like to see them still be aggressive as they are and go for one of the top guys? Or do you think they'll do the Patriots philosophy and sit where they are and take the best player there? I mean, what, what would you like to see them do? I'll answer that in two parts. Prior to free agency, I would have expected them to sit at 15. I think that what you are going to see during the draft is that in the top 10, you're going to see probably eight of the 10 players be offensive positional players. And what that's going to do is with, again, with a lot of teams going for quarterbacks, what that's going to do in the top 10 is it's going to push a lot of very quality defensive players out. So I thought leading up to the draft, what they were going to do is if a quarterback falls, then maybe, but the closer we get to the actual draft, the more unlikely that scenario becomes and seems. I thought they would be able to take a, you know, one of the top five defenders in the entire draft, which would be great for them. You, if you're, you know, if you're at 15 and you get a haul like that, then you get a quality player like that. You can't complain about that. I would have looked at linebacker like Micah Parsons out of Penn state. I would have thought Patrick Sertain out of Alabama would have been a possibility. I mean, you could go, this team has a lot of issues. So there's, there's a number of ways you can go, but with free agency kind of, I always say with the Patriots because they don't really say a whole lot. There's the, the, one of the, one of the big sayings and it, and it goes all the way back to a friend of mine, Fred Kirsch, who works for Patriots.com. Uh, and he, and he's on a, uh, he's part of a very, very popular uh, Patriots podcast. I mean, Patriots fans out here probably have listened to it. Patriots unfiltered used to be called Patriots football weekly. And Fred Kirsch, his, his coin phrase has always been, don't listen to what they say you know, see what they do, right? You want to, you, like yeah. their actions basically, you know, will tell you what they're going to do. What they're, you know, they're, what they say is just all mouthpiece stuff, right? And what I think you've seen the Patriots say in the past 48, 72 hours, it says that we know that there needs to be an overhaul of talent and this roster needs to be flipped and we need to get help at a lot of positions and we have the money to do it. So we're going to go up and do it. And because the salary cap dropped, like I mentioned before, put a lot of teams in a hard place. So the Patriots weren't really, didn't really have a lot of competition. They, they basically said, we're going to go out and get these guys, you know, Hunter Henry, John U. Smith, those big tight end pieces, those guys are day one guys, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, those receivers they added are, you know, number three type receivers. Those aren't guys that should be getting deals day one, but they attacked them first to secure them and before other teams could manipulate cap space as everyone's trying to get under the number before the league year began today. So they've seen, they've addressed a lot of different holes, which, which is why my mentality, which is my, my mentality, Mitch, is, is basically changed to, I think that they've seen, okay, we can address a lot of these holes. We're going to go up and use that 15 pick for a quarterback. I do think they're going to be aggressive because quite frankly, I think they were just, I think Bill was frustrated where the roster was, knew that it needed a lot of changing and um, 
that way that's why I think they will move up. My guess is I don't know if the Falcons will move out of four, but they just restructured Matt Ryan's deal the other day, and it would make it very, very hard for um, Atlanta to, you know, get rid of him in the next two yeah, years. I mean, we're, we're Falcons fans, and, you know, we're desperate to trade down personally because I think there is such a good quarterback class this year that a lot of teams want to come up. You know, we need to trade down. We've got a lot of holes to fill. Matt Ryan's still, you know, still a tough guy. So, and with the restructuring, it looks like that's what we're going to do now. So, okay. So, let me spin this to a Falcon for perspective for a second. Sure, you could look at it prior to him restructuring yesterday. You could look at it and say, sure, you're in a great position to draft a guy, ride Matt Ryan out for two years, let the young guy sit, bring in the young guy. There's your quarterback for the future. Smooth, clean, easy, right? Well, they restructured him. It now makes it very hard to really get rid of him. And it, part of me feels like, they're going to move down because there's going to be so many teams trading up and there's a lot of holes to fill for Atlanta. They can still get a good player if they trade down, you know, just a couple of spots or even 10, 10, 11 spots for the Patriots, for example. I don't know if the Patriots would be that aggressive. That's a big move. 15 to four is a, is a large move, but it's something that I think could be done. I also look at, you know, I don't think the Bengals will move down at five. Um, I think the, is it the Lions? I'm trying to think of who's at six um, and seven. Eagles, no, Philly, Philly and at six. The Lions. And then, Philly at yeah. six. And yes, okay. And then the Detroit Lions at seven. Detroit is another one. Detroit's, the, for me right now, it's Detroit and Atlanta. If you're the Patriots, those are the two teams that I'm thinking about the most. I don't know anything. I, you know, uh, as my girlfriend will gladly back me up. Okay. I don't know anything. <laughs> so uh, uh, I would say, look, it's no secret the Carolina Panthers are sitting at eight and they want a quarterback, right? We know Trevor Lawrence is going one overall. Number two, at, for the New York Jets, they're Wilson probably going to draft Zach Wilson, right? So the top two quarterbacks are off the board the first two picks. The, the Dolphins, unless they, uh, you know, unless they trade their pick for Deshaun Watson and the Texans take a quarterback, then you're looking at probably the six or, you know, four or six and seven probably looking to trade down. Now, I don't include the Bengals in that because I think that they're going to be so committed to making sure that Joe Burrow doesn't get killed that they're going to just draft Penny Sewell no matter what, you know, or some offensive lineman. They need to get some help. They're going to be aggressive and fix that offensive line. So I don't really include them in that mix. But Carolina is no secret of them wanting a quarterback. So I think a lot of teams know that they're going to have to get up above them because it's not just Carolina at eight, it's Denver at nine, who I think is a possibility. They're not in love with Drew Locke and the 49ers are not in love with Jimmy Garoppolo at 12. So to me, the Patriots are going to have to trade up into the top six or seven if they want to go get a guy. And if their free agency aggressiveness is any indication, maybe they're willing to do it. And again, that's a big move. It's going to take a lot of draft capital, but it's going to take even more draft capital to get a guy like Deshaun Watson, who I don't think would be traded anyway. And what's, what people have to remember is with Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson and that whole bizarre situation, both these guys hold a lot of cards because they both have no trade clauses. Yeah. So they can dictate where they want to go. Um, and so it's going to be kind of a fascinating scenario, um, you know, to see how this all plays out in the next, you know, four or five weeks uh, and see what happens leading up to the draft. But I do think the Patriots are going to tr- at least try to move up, whether it's accomplished or not. It's a story for a different podcast. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of teams win when they've got good quarterbacks or rookie deals. And I think this Patriots team is sort of primed for a rookie deal. I mean, to be honest with you, I think there's plenty of rookies out there that are going to be better than Cam Newton next year. I mean, 
what what have we got? I mean, you probably got Fields or Trey Lance, really, haven't you, as a target if you're going to be trading up with Atlanta or the Lions. You know, I mean, which of them guys do you prefer? I mean, have you dived into the draft much? Yeah, so I like in terms of the top five prospects: Lawrence, Wilson, Fields, Lance, Jones. Put them in any order you want. I like all five of them. I have flaws with all of them, at, really outside of Lawrence. Lawrence, the only thing with Lawrence, I would say, is his expectation. His expectations are so high, and he's going to a franchise that has had a lot of struggles. And so, yeah. I, you know, I could see a scenario where it doesn't work out quite like how it's supposed to, but just because that just seems to how it's gone for them. But I hope it's not the case because their fans deserve to, you know, have a good franchise quarterback, and he seems like a really good kid. But Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, I like a lot about each of them for different reasons. And I have, there's different flaws with them for different reasons for the Patriots specifically, since we're kind of focusing on them today. And that's really what I do. Uh, I would say Trey Lance is the guy. Uh, I think that he fits what they're looking to do. And if you're, t- if we're talking about cam as a bridge quarterback, Trey Lance has some very strong similarities to him. And, yeah. and I say that being like, look, Trey Lance is a, is, a, is he could definitely run. He could definitely run the ball. He's athletic. You can give him the ball eight to 12 times a game and let him kind of move around a bit. Right. He also has a heck of an arm and he sets his own, all of his own uh, protections at North Dakota state, uh, which is not something that every quarterback does. He is very advanced in terms of film from people that I've spoken with. And I could see that fit there with him sitting behind camp for a year and then coming in then. Um, I, you know, again, Justin Fields, I could see Mac Jones. I can see Wilson. I could see again, but I would say that Lance is the guy that I'm kind of circling right now is who I think the Patriots would target, which again, would kind of fly in the face of what they normally look at for quarterbacks because he doesn't have as many starts and he didn't play at a, you know, a powerhouse kind of school. But that to me, I still think Wilson, as far as traits go, is something they'd be interested in. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with the, con- the comparisons with him and Cam Newton. I mean, I, I watched his 2020 tape recently. He had played the one game and he was just electric on the ground. He's not quite as accurate as some of these guys, I think, but running the ball, he was hard to stop. Yeah, I mean, just, I mean, I, his, the playing styles are, they're, they are different, but the physical, there's a lot of physical traits that they certainly have in common, right? Because Trey Lance is kind of a thicker guy uh, anyway. Um, you know, Justin Fields, to me, his resume is something the Patriots would look for more, but his the offensive style that Justin Fields would probably be best suited in is probably someone with like the 49ers. Like mm. uh, I think they're like the 49ers, the Vikings, what the Browns did this season. Those type of offenses, I think, will be better suited for someone like Justin Fields. It's not something the Patriots, I don't think, are adverse to. But I think their terminology will ultimately stay the same. I think that wherever the whenever the next quarterback comes, I think that they will keep the terminology the same and make some differences. You saw that a little bit with Cam Newton here. But if they want to stick with more of a pocket passer, well, then you look at Mac Jones and you say this is someone who's not athletic. I mean, I'm sure he's you know he's a little athletic, right? But he's not not athletic compared to these other guys we're talking about, really. And if with all the limitations that NFL coaches have uh, with the pre-draft process because you can't get guys in front of you. I think that the relationships between NFL coaches and, and college coaches is more important this year than ever. And 
who is one of Bill Belichick's closest friends? It's Nick Saban. So if there's going to be any kind of insight he's looking for a Mac Jones, he has the best person possibly available, right? So yeah. uh, that's, that's another name where I put in there. For one, because of um, the Saban connection and also because of it's a little bit more of a realistic possibility if those other four guys go in the top seven or eight, you know, could they go up and get Mac Jones after that? Again, I'm not sure what they're going to do. I know that they have – the Patriots have, have – um, they have favored guys who have gone to the senior bowl every year. There's always a couple of senior bowl guys that stand out and the Patriots usually like that. And Mac Jones was raved about after his senior bowl performance, how fast he picked up the offense, him speaking with other team, you know, with him speaking with, uh, you know, the different teams, how he, you know, his leadership skills, how he performed. So that to me kind of put Mac Jones in the back of my mind as someone who I, I'm not sure if he's their priority one, as far as the young quarterbacks go, but I think that would be something that was a value to them as his senior bowl performance. Yeah. And I think he could potentially be there at 15 for you. I mean, there's going to be teams that might move up for him, like, the, you know, when these four guys that are probably going to get picked before him go, but you know, he might be there for you at 15. You know, I like Mac yeah. Jones. I mean, I mean, is there anyone else you've got your eye on if these quarterbacks, you know, if you do go different, a different route, anyone sort of on the defensive side, you talked about sort of the top five defensive players dropping. You're asking about the top, the top five defenders or about no, quarterbacks? I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, so sorry. If uh, if the uh, if you go a different route with the quarterback and you don't draft the quarterback, you say you sign, you know, what sort of saying right. like that. I mean, you talked about these top five defensive players that potentially drop into the, your range. I mean, is there anyone you've got your eye on there? Well, Micah Parsons is, a, is, is someone that I'm I really, really am fascinated by, uh, the linebacker for Penn State. Just a really, really immense, physically talented player. You know, there are some there have been some character concerns with him because it's like some hazing incident. I don't I, I don't know. I haven't spoken with him. I don't know enough about the people around him. Luckily, I'm not the one making that decision. The team will probably do their own evaluations on him. But if, if he checks out there, I think he's, he's, he would be a great asset for a front seven. I think you also have to look at cornerback for this team. I already talked about the Stephon Gilmore and JC Jackson situation at cornerback. Right. And I'm not sure if both, if, if either of them, both of them, none of them, like, I don't know if, if they're going to be here in the mix. And that means cornerbacks, a huge hole. And you could look at Virginia Tech's Caleb Farley, uh, South Carolina's JC Horn, but the top guy on the board for me, at least is Patrick Sertain, uh, who I think has, is one of the safer picks and, and at least the first round anyway, it probably of the draft. I had, I think that Sertain is, will he be a star? I'm not sure if he's going to be a star player, but I think he's going to be a very good corner for a long time. And uh, he does a lot of things well. Obviously, the NFL bloodlines are there with his father uh, playing in the league for so long. Um, I could see them. Patrick Sertain is someone they could do that. The other name, based on the free agency period that we've witnessed over the past couple of days, uh, I'm also starting to wonder... If maybe if one of those three big receivers fall, if that could be an option, they've addressed tight end. They have a couple of guys at receiver who are, I would say, close to like number three, number four guys. You know, they don't typically have that like, you know, big time X receiver, number one star receiver. That's not usually their game. They like to kind of spread the ball around. But if they did want to get add some athleticism, someone that could be there at 15, if there's a run on you know, quarterbacks like we're expecting and a couple other players go is Alabama's Jalen Waddle there. And then you can give a, 
you can give this the Patriots offense a different element that they really have not had in as far as I can remember, it's, it's been a long time, right? And and when I mean, you look probably at probably since team, Randy, right? Like, you know, in terms well, of that, yeah, I mean, in terms of speed, guy, you know? mm. yeah, absolutely. In terms of speed, certainly. It's like when I when I'm looking when I'm looking at this Patriots team from last year and looking at the roster, three things come to mind. Three things that they have to do this offseason. They need to get faster, they need to get more athletic, and they need to get younger. So Jalen Waddle checks those boxes. Mm. Now, again, if they don't take a quarterback. I think it's going to be best player available and the boring answer is going to be show me the board after 14 picks and I'll probably have a pretty good idea of what direction they're going to go. Uh, but that's not what you're looking for, right? You're looking for something hot. So <laughs> I would say quarterback, if that's not a quarterback. I think it's going to be the best defensive player available. And that's why Patrick Sertain is probably on my mind. Um, you know, but I would go Micah Parsons as a close second. Dark horse would be Jalen Waddle. Touchdown. Yeah, of course, sounds good. I mean, so if we move on to sort of a, a way too early prediction for next season, then, I mean, obviously you've still got some pieces to add. You know, you don't know who's going to be playing under centre, but I mean, what do you think for next season? What sort of record do you see yourself getting? Well, I think that if you traditionally, traditionally, when you have the amount of free agent signings that the Patriots have had, you spent a lot of money, you know, you don't really want to be the off season winner. Right. Like that's never necessarily a good thing. But if you look at the the last five years, the teams that have spent the most money in free agency have improved their win record from the previous year by five wins. So now the, the NFL will, you know, 17 game schedule next year. I don't think the Patriots are going 12 and five. Okay. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, Mostly because even though I'm expecting Cam Newton to improve, assuming Cam Newton right now is the quarterback, and that's kind of what I'm sticking with. Yeah. I'm expecting him to improve. I'm not expecting him to improve that much. And so a way too early prediction for me, based on a 17-game schedule, I'd probably go 9-8, and 10-7 and seven right now. I still have concerns. Um, I still have concerns about the receiver position. They need to add running back, and I think they will address both of those, you know, pretty soon. Uh, but there is some moving parts along the offensive line, which is always a question. They have a lot of new guys into the mix. Well, I think the front seven has been bolstered by some of their signings. Um, I'm st- I'm still wondering what their resolution at cornerback is going to be. Yep. So, if they if they were if you were to tell me that Cam Newton was going to make a big jump or they were going to add a quarterback, that would be significantly better. I probably would have better record than 10 wins, but I think that's probably their ceiling next year. And like I said, it's probably closer to nine for me at this moment. Yeah. I mean, it is a tough division as well. Obviously the Bills got that playoff win last year and the Dolphins seem like they're getting better all the time. So I think that's probably the, the sort of a fair way to go and hope you can sort of sneak in as a wild card into the playoff mix. I mean, what do you think, Midge? Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. I say, obviously this is, so a lot of things with teams have changed. Obviously, we knew this was coming for free agency. I did. I really didn't expect it to come for the Patriots so quick, so early. Because obviously, I think it took a lot of people by by surprise a little bit. But you know, like you said, with all these signings, you know, it's only just improved your roster. You know, it's not just the sake of regressing. You've signed some top guys that you know both sides of the ball. And I think the question for me personally, like you say, it is the situation with Cam. If if Cam can at least play well enough to, you know, work with the offense well and get you wins on the ball. I mean, you know, he managed to get seven wins last year with the, like you said, with the offense that lacked talent. 
if he can at least at least propel that by three wins, you know, that you're looking in playoff range, you know, and, and that's, you know, you've got this extra playoff spot now. And like you said, they're adding an extra game, you know, it's just going to make things a lot interesting. So, and the way Bill Belichick is, obviously, as you know, more than, you know, and everyone knows his mentality, he will not want a seven and nine season next year. So he's going to do everything in his power to make sure. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's definitely to see then. I think you're right. You know, you could look into that double digit bracket, can plays well, or whoever plays a quarterback. I mean, it's definitely not out of the question at all. Right. I, and I, until we're, we're still looking at a, a puzzle that's not finished, right? Because it's only mid-March. So if we, you know, if we get together again in a couple months after everything, I can probably give you a better idea of what they're looking for. You know, last year I thought they were going to be, last year I thought they were going to be about six and 10. Uh, they end up going seven, you know, seven to nine. Okay. You know, there was a couple wins that I saw that, uh, that I didn't see coming like Baltimore that took basically a torrential downpour. And there were other losses that I didn't see coming either, like the Houston Texans. But uh, you know, it just, it just depends. You know um, I, I think that Cam Newton, he was signed late last year. He's learning a new system. He's coming off that injury. You know, we kind of talked about, he got COVID middle of the year, doesn't have a lot around him. There's a lot of ways that I can talk him up. Right. My biggest question around Cam is can his shoulder and throwing arm hold up physically. That's something that only he can know. Now at times, and I don't know how many, you said you were both Falcons fans, right? So yeah. at times, I don't know how much you watched, you know, Cam play. It looked like he was throwing a shot put at some times. Like he's just heaving this ball. Um, and, you know, the second, you know, it's funny, the first game of the year, they're playing the Miami Dolphins and they just come out with like this high school running back kind of offense where Cam just went wild. And it was like a wildcat style offense. And we knew that wasn't going to be the, the, the offense for the rest of the season. But I think that was what they, they saw something that they felt comfortable attacking and it worked. And then week two, they play against Seattle in primetime. I thought that was Cam Newton's best year, the se- best game of the season. Uh, the team really fought hard against a pretty good Seattle team. They lost at the last second on a goal line play. But Cam had some dimes in that game. There were still a couple of mistakes, but he had some absolute dimes in that game. From that point forward, the inconsistency was just all over the map. And, you know, I think that in, in Cam acknowledged it. He's been very good. He's been very accountable. But at the end of the day, he does need to be better. And the team around him needs to be better, which is why I think it's a two-part thing with building these teams with the free agency moves they've made. I think that they realize, hey, we got to get him some help. And, you know, if he's our guy, he'll be better. And if he's not our guy, whoever comes in um, is going to be better off for having these pieces around them. And, you know, what's funny is uh, they've – I think the Patriots are going to target this. It looks like they're targeting this kind of like how the Kansas City Chiefs did it – pre-Patrick Mahomes, when they had Alex Smith as their quarterback, Alex Smith, towards the end of his time in Kansas City, a lot of people knew that he just wasn't going to be able to get it done. He couldn't get them to where they needed to go. So they were building up around him, building up around him. They built up a, a juggernaut of an offense. Then they move up, I think, from 27, traded with the Buffalo Bills, to 10 or 11, wherever he went drafted. And he sat for a year and then came in and blossomed. I wonder if the Patriots are going to use that philosophy right now with Cam Newton. Cam Newton, $3.6 million on the books. He might make, you know, five, $6 million when the year's all said and done, assuming they don't make the postseason or he's not the MVP or anything like that. Yeah. It's a young, it's a, it's a cheap quarterback contract. You build up the offense around him and then they draft a guy 
and then next year he can go. I wonder if that's the direction they're going. The writing is on the wall for that in my eyes. You know, obviously, I think what a lot of Patriots fans have expected, what some national and, and local Boston reporters have expected, is that Jimmy, they, the, the Patriots want Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, the problem with Jimmy Garoppolo is the 49ers, I don't think, are adverse to improving a quarterback, but they're not going to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo unless that happens. If they can if they can if they can go up and get Justin Fields or Trey Lance or Zach Wilson or whoever they want, or if they can trade for Deshaun Watson, which I think is a very likely destination if he's traded, I think that makes a ton of sense. It would be very scary for the NFL if he went there because I think that's a match made in heaven. And uh if they were to secure someone like that, then Jimmy Garoppolo becomes available. I could see the Patriots going after Garoppolo then and then cutting Cam Newton even before the season starts. The, the predicament the Patriots were in was they can't – the 49ers aren't going to do anything yet, and they're not cutting Jimmy until after the draft. So the Patriots said, we need to get a placeholder, a la Cam Newton, enter him, second year. The Patriots have the rest of the offseason to evaluate and see if anything shakes free or to see if they can go up and get a guy. If they go ahead and do that, then all of a sudden Cam Newton moves on. And like I said, if they can, you push the can, you know, kind of kick the can down the road till next season. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. You know, it's only going to cost you three and a half million to move him on. So, exactly. Yeah. No, definitely so, Derek. I mean, yeah, it's been, uh, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, everything's been happening at the moment. So anything could happen. Watson might end up there. We just do not know. But on that note, they're going to definitely be the team to keep watching throughout this offseason and in the draft. Uh, but we'll cap it off there, Derek. Um, really appreciate you uh, taking the time out and uh, coming to speak to us today to talk Patriots. Really, really appreciate it. Yeah, guys, it definitely. It was nice talking with both of you. Um, you know, I love doing this. This is uh, <laughs> this is something that I really enjoy doing. So anytime you guys want to have me back on, you know, right after the draft, before the draft, before the season, awesome. you know, hit me up and we'll we'll get back together again. Sounds good. Awesome stuff. Definitely, Derek, definitely. On that note, thank you very much for listening, guys. So we've still got a lot of episodes coming up for off-season talk. So keep an eye out for that for us, and then keep an eye out for this episode on our socials and on all the major podcast platforms. But thank you very much, guys. Take care, stay safe, and catch you next time.